Well, just when you thought, and probably because I told you, that it was hard to win a championship in junior hockey because of that cycle, this week on the OHL podcast, we get to meet a guy that has won not one junior hockey championship, but three, as Mark Matier joins the podcast. Hey, Mark, it's great to get your time. Thanks very much for joining us. Hey, no problem, Mike. I appreciate it. Before we talk about those championships and your career, uh, I wondered if you might put your color commentator's hat on for a moment, or helmet, we're talking hockey here, and maybe look at this Ottawa 67s team that has started this season like a buzzsaw, 18-1, and and give us your analysis as to why Ottawa is so good and why it's because of Jack Mateer. Well, I th- I think they got off to a really good start for a couple of different reasons. And uh, I think the one uh, would have to be the leadership group. Uh, so you look at guys like Cam Tolnai, Jack Beck, uh, my son Jack, um, that were very fortunate their first year uh, to be involved with guys like Noel Hoffenmeyer, Kevin Ball, uh, Austin Keating, uh, Andre Turnier was the head coach. Um, so I think I really think the roots uh, were set back then a couple of years ago um, as far as their um, being able to look at their leadership crew and, you know, bringing that forward into the next couple of years. And now with COVID and everything, obviously that's affected a lot of hockey teams, uh, especially at the junior level. Um, I think one of the reasons why they've had so much success as well is uh, Dave Cameron, the coach. I think it starts at the top. Um, He makes them accountable. Uh, There are absolutely no egos on that team. And I think everyone, I know it sounds cliche, everyone has bought into his system and everyone understands their specific role on that team. And I think that is why um, they are off to this unbelievable 18 and two start, which no one saw coming um it's just it's absolutely remarkable when you look at it because i look at their roster and and no one really you know no one really jumps out yeah you got you got jack back but he's been hurt most of the year um my son jack mateer has obviously made huge strides and is um you know um contributing offensively which I don't think a lot of people realized uh, his capabilities as far as offense. Um, he's kind of more known or labeled as uh, defensive. And then you've got Cam Tolnai, who's come out of the gates hot. And then you can't forget these second-year players that have taken steps. And I think that's the key to junior hockey. I think you need three things. I think you need goaltending, which we certainly have got. I think you need to have an unbelievable power play, which – looking at the stats, uh, maybe not last night, but um, the power play is certainly humming along pretty good. And I think you need leadership um, as well as your second year players are so important. They have to make steps. They have to progress. um, And that starts in the summertime. And I, you know, talking to Jack, he, he, he was very happy with, everyone that came back to training camp. And and I think Dave Cameron and Norm Milley and Coach Marty uh, would all say the same thing. I think uh, every single one of them came back prepared. And I, I think that makes a huge difference coming out of the gates early in junior hockey. How hard is it being a hockey dad at this level? Does it get easier as your son progresses through the game or does it get harder as the stakes get higher? Well, that's a really good question because I get that. 
I get asked that a lot. It was, <laughs> I, I would much rather be playing the game than watching the game. Uh, I do. I really, really enjoy watching Jack and I, I loved watching my oldest boy Tanner play as well, but uh, it is, it is difficult at times. It was certainly difficult, more difficult in his first year um, just because of the situation he was in, you know, you don't want him to make mistakes because they're first year players. Um, they're playing with veterans, but you know, you don't want them to <laughs> make any glaring mistakes uh, that would affect the entire outcome of the game. So I think as he has got older, it's gotten a little bit easier, but like you say, with your question, I, I think with more, uh, with more ice time that Jack has, uh, I think it's <laughs> it's not as easy, but it, it's a little easier because I can see he's playing with a lot of confidence um, and the entire team is um, certainly playing with a lot of confidence and are on a high right now. You were drafted into the National Hockey League in the seventh round by Washington. Jack goes in the fourth round to Nashville. And as of last year, he is signed to the Predators organization. Does that make Jack the hawk the, the best hockey player in the Matier family? <laughs> yes. No, without a Mike, without a doubt. Um and I get asked that a lot too. Uh, are there any similarities? What what are some of the similarities? I do see some similarities in the way that I played the game and the way that he plays the game, but uh no, there there's no comparison. Jack is 10 times the player I ever was. So, uh, and I'm just a proud father and I think he's worked so hard to get to uh, the level that he is at currently. And I look forward to obviously um, what the future holds for Jack. I get really excited. So forgive me by spending for spending so much time on Jack as we start this, but I love watching players that I watched growing up. See like their kids come through the league now is an absolute thrill for me. I think it's so cool. Well, you know what? It, it is. And, you know, we're at the age where, you know, you got Jeff Toms in town here, Connor playing for the Greyhounds. Uh, I've got Gary Roach's boy being drafted to the Greyhounds. So a lot of my teammates uh, that I played for with the Hounds have have had um, um, their sons come through the program, whether it be minor hockey here in town or or the junior level. So it's it really is. It's we've come full circle and it's uh, it's nice to sit down and, and talk stories with with all the kids when we get together. So it's uh, it's a great experience for all of us. So I started this podcast by making reference to how difficult it is, and I still believe it is, except you made it look pretty easy when it comes to championships. Three years in the OHL, all with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, two OHL championships and a Memorial Cup. I mean, do you ever think back on it? and say how like yeah. crazy that is like that's that's banana land yeah i you know i we do we look back and we you know the, the one thing i say is we should have won in seattle i, I get upset <laughs> <laughs> i still uh i was the last man back with 14.6 seconds and it's still you know i i still think about it often we we that was our best team in the three years i think um, I've told many people that I think overall that was our best, uh, most well-rounded team. And and just to have it slip through our fingers and be so close. Um, you know, I could be sitting here saying I won o- one OHL championship and two Memorial Cups, but uh, I was certainly lucky. You know, I came in at a time where they completely overhauled the Greyhounds because they didn't have much success. 
but what they left behind was a really good core. We had Bob Bugner, Adam Foot, and Brad Tiley on the back end, which, you know, is, I don't know if you'd find any better three defensemen at that time on one team so that was the foundation and then <clears throat> we had a couple surprises Kevin Hodson came into town and you know he took the crease and he ran with it for three years it was it was unbelievable he was probably the most underrated goalie that I've ever played with and uh just a tremendous teammate but uh we had uh, the, our leadership uh to this day I still think the most underrated forward in the league was Colin Miller um, who, you know, year after year just seemed to put up points and, and everyone said, well, his skating isn't good enough, but <laughs> he, he seemed to outplay a lot of number one centermen in the, in the league during our playoffs. And it was, uh, he was one of the reasons why um, we went to the Memorial Cup in Seattle. And, you know, after winning the Memorial Cup the following year, it was those guys that we, you know, we thought about a lot throughout our playoff run because, you know, they really did uh, lay the foundation. And you guys like Tony Yob, Jason Denemy, uh, Chris Simon, these guys, unfortunately, you know, Colin Miller didn't get the opportunity to raise the cup, but they, they sure certainly were a, were a huge part of it. You know, Deno as an example is a guy that came a year prior as part of that Lindros deal right? Or came to the team as part of the Lindros deal. So it must've been, and, and you had to go through that Oshawa team the year prior in 91. Yeah. I actually remember that was my first, that was my rookie year in the OHL. And I remember, and this might be crazy to, to hear, but I remember the playoffs were such a grind and it was such a long time. And, you know, you get to the point, you know, as a 17 year old, 16, 17 year old, depending how you're old, how old you are at that particular time, you know, you get a little homesick and you, and you want to go home and see family. And we just kept winning. And I kept thinking to myself, this is unbelievable. <laughs> like We are not even supposed to be in the same arena as Oshawa. And here we are um, basically beating them at their own game. And honestly, it, without Colin Miller and without Joe Basillo and Tony Yob, um, those three in particular. And Deno had a couple big goals uh, in that series, um, you know, Without them, we we don't win. We we can't compete at that level. And obviously, on the back end, the three the three horses that uh, Tylee, Foot, and Bugner. Without them, we don't win. I remember Teddy Nolan. This is a funny story. I remember Teddy Nolan pulling myself and Drew Bannister aside before the series started, and we were doing some video. And he said, "Do you see that number eighty eight? And we're like, "Yeah, of course. He's probably the best player at this age on the planet right now." He says, "Whenever he's on the ice." You two skate off as fast as you can. <laughs> so, because he was just physically, he was he was a man, and we're you know we're these young defensemen in the league that just just breaking through. But uh, yeah, he always wanted to have that matchup. It was Sean Ember and Adam Foot um, who who did a really good job that series as well. So it was good times here in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, the fans. Um, even to this day, the fans still talk about uh, uh, Eric Lindros coming to town, and they had a f fantastic team. I ended up years after I played with C Dale Craigwell overseas, and uh, he was a phenomenal player, and uh, what a what a great guy. But we uh, we had some conversations about that series for sure. When you talk about that homesick feeling, it makes me think back on 
you being about as Southern Ontario a boy as you could have been, right? St. Catharines is home, and you get yeah. drafted up to the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. What did yeah. you know of Sault Ste. Marie at the time, other than that it was way north? Yeah, that's that's about it. We knew it was way north, and I told this story uh, to a lot of people here in Sault Ste. Marie. We, we really didn't know. We knew Sudbury was up north, and then we knew Sault Ste. Marie was kind of in the vicinity. And after the OHL draft, we drove home. Um, my mother was crying a little bit <laughs> um, and we got the map out on the living room floor and we couldn't find Sault Ste. Marie. And then all of a sudden my dad said, hold on. And there was another piece to the map that had folded underneath and that last flap that he opened up and the sure enough, there's Sault Ste. Marie. It was about two and a half inches from Sudbury on the map. <laughs> it, uh, you know what? My dad said, this is the best thing for you. You're not, you're going up there to play hockey and go to school. Um, you don't have any distractions as far as, you know, coming back home to Thorold and, and seeing your buddies. Um, you just focus on hockey and school. And that's certainly what I did. And um, I love Sault Ste. Marie. It's obviously been my home since 1990. Uh, my wife obviously is from here and her family. So uh as I look out the window now, I don't like the white stuff on the ground, but um, certainly it is home now. And uh, uh, I do still still uh, have my heart still in Thorold, but uh, Sault Ste. Marie has certainly been a big part of our family. That's something that fascinates me because as a kid, uh, we had a cottage up in Perry. Well, friends of mine had a cottage in Perry Sound. And sometimes we would go from Perry Sound to Sudbury, which you already referenced. And to me, that was Northern Ontario until yeah. I got a little bit older, got involved in this league and realized, oh, no, I, I worked in Thunder Bay for a bit. So even Sault Ste. Marie, oh. maybe not North anymore. However, the older I get, the more appeal that it has for me as a destination for a lot of reasons that obviously you've uh, come to love yourself. I mean, you've settled in Sault Ste. Marie. What makes it an attractive place today? Well, I'll tell you right now, um, if any of your listeners have never been up here uh, in the summertime. It's unbelievable. The, uh, the opportunities as far as outdoors and, and fishing and wildlife is um, it, it really is truly is one of the best spots in Ontario. And um, both my boys are big into fishing and um, there's so many different lakes up here. And a lot of our, our friends of ours have, we call them camps, but years ago I used to call them cottages <laughs> <laughs> you learn absolutely I understand but there's uh just you know um just being on the water um just it, there's a certain feel um that is a that attracts a lot of people and there's uh there's so many great places uh, as far as tourism up here and it's uh it, it's a shame because a lot of people just think it's too far to go but uh, once you're here it's it's a place that you'll certainly want to visit again i agree with you wholeheartedly and it occurs to me as we agree on this i think we just helped a little bit anyway that memorial cup bid for 2024 <laughs> not to wait and see i don't know uh, you know it's interesting you you see the three teams that are involved kingston uh niagara and the sioux and and you look at their lineups mike and i i just I don't know. They're going to have to do a whole lot of movement and trading. And, and I, I don't know if it's, if it's feasible for any of the three to be able to compete in 
that big of a turnaround, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But obviously uh, the Memorial Cup that was hosted here uh, my last year, uh, the venue was phenomenal. Um, it was packed. Uh, the, the town was buzzing. Uh, and to this day, people still, you know, still talk about that and, and what a high it was for Sault Ste. Marie. How do you feel about the new barn? I mean, I know you're going to the same place because they basically yeah. just built it on the same site. But how do you feel about the new Memorial Gardens versus the old? Uh, you know what? I, I just feel there's not a whole lot of atmosphere in the building. I, I just it's a beautiful building. And I find that with a lot of the new buildings, um, there's just not that character and, and not that uh that feeling that you want like I still go I walk into Peterborough Arena and I there's that it's almost like a smell or a feel that brings you back in time and North Bay is the same uh North Bay was one of my favorite rinks when I played in the Ontario Hockey League because it, it just had character and something about it but uh yeah for some reason the I don't know maybe in time it'll it'll grow on me but it's certainly a nice it's a nice venue, but um, it's certainly missing, in my opinion, something as far as uh, the atmosphere. I sometimes do these little walking video tours of other arenas that I'm in when I have the time to do them. And when I've done the one in Sault Ste. Marie before and I stop at that painting on the wall of the 93 championship team, lots of times I get comments from people that were a part of it. Oh, I'm in that picture. Do you ever stop by it and reminisce? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, we... Uh... <clears throat> We had a, uh, a field trip. So I'm an elementary teacher here in Sault Ste. Marie. I teach grade seven. And we had a field trip well, the one day. And um, we ended up in the building. And one of the kids um, had noticed one of their fathers had said, oh, Mr. Mateer's in this picture. And they took a picture and then they showed me. So uh, the cat was kind of out of the bag. <laughs> I looked a little, obviously a, a lot younger and a, a little tinier. Um, but it was it was quite comical because they they didn't really put that connection uh, together. It's, you know, parents at home saying, yeah, your teacher used to play hockey for the Greyhounds, but they don't really it, they can't put two and two together sometimes. So it's uh, it's quite comical. I got to think, though, Mark, that's some pretty serious street cred for a grade seven teacher now. eh? Yeah, I think so. Actually, <laughs> uh, I'm part of a. Uh, Hockey Canada, we have a hockey academy that we started here five years ago. So uh, I still get to get on the ice twice a week with the, my grade sevens and eights. So it's, uh, they actually get to see me out on the, on the blades, but uh, I'm not performing too many different moves uh, because these kids have so much skill. So it's, uh, it is, it's, we have a really good time and a lot of laughs. You mentioned a couple of arenas, and I agree, by the way, on both North Bay and Peterborough. We were just up in the Bay a couple of weeks ago with the Rangers, but both of those teams factored into a couple of the runs that the Greyhounds made. Let's focus first on North Bay, that 92 team that you said was probably the best one that lost that heartbreaker uh, in the Memorial Cup final. But you were, if I'm not mistaken, that season, you were down 3-2 to North Bay and had to go win in their barn to force a Game 7. Yes, actually, uh, you are correct, because um, we had Chris Simon was suspended again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had a couple injuries, guys. Um, it was, you know, last minute decision if they were going to play or not. So we were going down there with the mentality, OK, we don't have Cy. 
Um, we might have a couple guys out in the lineup. This is, you know, this is an uphill, uphill battle here. Uh, we went into the barn. We went two to one. The only reason I know that is because I scored in the game and my parents had drove up the five hours from Thorold. And I had a lot of my girlfriend and friends here had drove from Sault Ste. Marie. So I had a lot of fans in the building. And I, like I said earlier, I always loved playing in that building. It was nice and bright. Um, and there was just that feel, but uh, yeah, myself and Dave Matzo scored and Kevin Hodson might've played the best I've ever seen him play uh, in that one particular game. He stole the show and uh, we got to bring it back here to Sault Ste. Marie and the rest is history, but North Bay had a great team. Um, it was a great series. It was just back and forth, um, but it was, uh, yeah, those certainly were good, good times here in Sault Ste. Marie. I know we already talked about Sault Ste. Marie and how far north it is until you kind of get used to it. But I hope everybody noticed that you just said we went down there to North Bay. Because <laughs> yeah. we always talk about going up, Mark. We, we're always going yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, every everything from the Sioux is downhill, I think. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And you know what? I forgot to mention Kitchener. Kitchener was another rink um, that I enjoyed playing. And I know, obviously, uh, your ties to Kitchener. But uh, it was always a great rink because I always had a lot of family uh, come and see me there and obviously Niagara Falls the little shoebox um, that we used to play in was always packed with um, a lot of students from Thorold High that I went to and a lot of family members so uh, a lot of great barns in the OHL. You've mentioned the names already Chris Simon, Tony Ob on that 91-92 team. Yeah. Did you I mean when I look at that roster and I see both of those names on it, I know Simon came partway through in a trade, but you almost have played six, seven inches taller with those two guys in your lineup. Oh yeah. Chris, to this day, I don't, I don't think I've ever played with a guy as tough as Chris Simon. Uh, Brian Gowdy was pound for pound, pretty close to Cy, but uh, once Cy turned that switch on, it was like, get out of my way. Um, yeah, it's not going to end well. Funny story, I, we when we traded for Chris Simon, the first, uh, it was the second practice, we were doing a one-on-one, -on -one, and he came down on me, and I poke-checked him, and he slashed me in the in the uh, shin pad. So I slashed him back, and he, he dropped his gloves and came at me, and I actually, luckily, I popped him with one, and then he hit me with a boat. 18 or 19 and uh, a bunch of the guys had to break it up and ended up he called me that night and he apologized and and from that day on um we were really good friends uh when we were together here in Sault Ste. Marie but uh the next day I couldn't barely get my helmet on because I had a couple goose eggs on the top of my head but uh yeah those are some stories that I I've told uh, to the kids and they laugh the fact that you popped Chris Simon at all speaks to you. <laughs> Maybe did you have that in your toolbox back then, Mark? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I didn't do a lot of it, but uh, I'd like to think I was a, a technical fighter if I ever had to drop the gloves. And uh, um, I ended up uh, one, one night in Detroit, Ralph Intranuva was going up the middle and Darren Hurley. I don't know if you remember Darren Hurley. Darren was a tough guy for, Detroit that could play the game as well we ended up playing together over in England afterwards but uh sure enough Ralph he pops Ralphie in the neutral zone and I'm the I'm the closest one there so I have to drop my gloves so um 
we go at it and I, I ended up tying him up both elbows and he couldn't get loose. So he headbutted me, <laughs> oh. broke my nose. And then, uh, yeah, years later overseas, we could be, we become best buddies. And, uh, actually I just talked to him the other day, but, uh, yeah. So it's, it's funny how the, the hockey world works, but, uh, with Chris Simon, none of us really had to worry. And, and Brian Gowdy, um, you know, you, you never really, you could just be comfortable out there and, uh, just play your game. And I think that's one of the reasons why Teddy used to go out every year and get, try and get the toughest guy in Canada. Um, so that guys like Jarrett Reed and Steve Sullivan and, and Ralph Intranuvo could, could do their thing. When you talk about Hurley as a guy that was tough, but could play, it kind of brings me back. And we talk about this with lots of guys from roughly your era and before, and just to get your perspective on it, then versus now, we know how much different the game is, but like Tony, Hobb, I, I'm pretty sure he led the Memorial cup tournament in scoring the one year, at least the playoffs for you guys. So he could, he could do it both ways. Cy was no slouch when it came to, you know, picking up points here and there. And you mentioned Hurley as well, that kind of player's role. I don't know that it even really exists in, in the game today. How do you, how do you view the two eras? Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I think you're right. It's, it's hard to find um, that mix anymore just because of, um, the whole mentality that, you know, basically there's not a whole lot of fighting anymore, but I, I still, I'm a, still a fan of a rugged big winger. Uh, I think you need that in the playoffs. Um, I think one of the reasons why the Greyhounds haven't had success as far as going to the Memorial cup or getting out of um, the OHL is I, I just think they're too small for the playoffs. I, I think they have a lot of players that are basically cookie cutter and they're the same. They're, you know, five foot eight, they're really skilled and they look great in warm up. But, you know, when that anthem finishes uh, and you've got, you know, six foot four winger coming down on you, you, you better be ready because the playoffs are a different beast. And, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons that um, the Greyhounds have fallen short is they, they just haven't, had the makeup. I, I think you need to have a balance of size. And I think it starts with a couple big wingers uh, and maybe a big centerman. And you look at Peterborough, they've always got big defensemen and, and, you know, they've got that, that rank where uh, I think you can get away with maybe some defensemen that um, maybe aren't as mobile. Um, just the, the way that's that rank set up with the square boards or the square corners, but um, they always seem to have big defensemen, and I, I think there's still a, a need for a big physical defenseman. Now, whether that means going out and fighting, um, you know, uh, I think we could debate that all night. But I, I still think there's a time and a place um, for a big forward or defenseman to to go out and send a message. But uh, you mentioned Sai and and Tony Yaw; those guys. I don't think the fans realize how good they were offensively. I don't think they got the credit that they deserved because they were so good at the other aspect of the game. So it, it's funny. It kind of takes away Simon was such a tough guy. It kind of, you know, kind of took away some of the reputation of his offensive skills. And I had the pleasure of going to two Quebec Nordiques camps with Chris Simon. And he was the one camp. He was one of the leading scorers in Quebec. And that's at the NHL level, you know, you got Peter Forsberg, 
uh, you know, Joe Sackick, Owen Nolan, like there was some high, high end talent and, and Cy was right there with him. So it's, uh, it's funny. We remember him for his toughness, but um, he certainly was underrated as far as off- offensively. It's funny. I thought of those exact names when you mentioned going to a Nordiques <laughs> camp. So tell me, Mark Matier, what it's like being at a camp with Forsberg and Sackick and Nolan out there. Yeah. Well, I grew up with Owen, uh, Nolan and Thorold. So I, I knew Owen. So I had, there was a little bit of comfort there. Um, my first training camp was in Washington. So I was drafted to Washington, then, then traded the year after to, uh, Quebec. But, uh, my first training camp, we were joking, Gino and I, uh, on air the other night well, Dale Hunter was at my first training camp. So there was Dale Hunter, Kevin Hatcher, Ally of Frady, uh, Craig Ludwig. So there were some names there, but, uh, the Quebec camp was, uh, it was at a whole nother level. It was like Joe Sack. And you look around the room, you got Joe Sack and Peter Forsberg at the time was just breaking in. And he was, he was probably, yeah, he probably will be one of the best players I've ever skated on the same, same ice with him and Sackick. But uh, it was, uh, it was an experience. Uh, I had a great, uh, great two years in Quebec. And then obviously in the, with the farm team in Cornwall, um, we had some good teams and some good players that came through there as well. Um, it was a great organization at that time. You know, I was also thinking as you talked about Peterborough and the square corners and the kind of rink that you can, you know, that's why they tend to have these big defensemen. And it made me think of another team in the East. And I know you wouldn't have gone to the arena a lot from the Sioux, but in Belleville, you can't get away with that sort of thing with that wider surface. Those D had to skate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I and we had a lot of players that loved playing in Belleville for that reason. You know, you um, you got Jarrett Reed at the time was probably one of the fastest skaters and Ralphie and Steve Sullivan were uh, three of our four. And Aaron Gavey was no slouch as far as uh, foot speed as well. So we we had a fast team and we were almost built uh, for a rink like that. <laughs> um <laughs> it would have been nice to play in that rink a little more, but uh, uh, I always enjoyed my time going to the East and, you know, you go to the, obviously Cornwall my first year um, and then they swing by Kingston and uh, I love playing in Ottawa as well. So it, uh, it was always nice to, to see the other teams um, from the East. So that, that 91 run that we talked about and the chance to play against Oshawa and Eric, and you get that little bit of homesickness because the team just kept on winning. You win the OHL final that next year, all the way to the Memorial cup final and, and the heartbreaker with 14.6 seconds to go at the end of that one, Mark, did you think, my God, like, was it even conceivable that you could return and do it again? Yeah. You know what? At the time you, the obvious disappointment you look around the room and I said it earlier guys that you know it was their last chance uh, and you just feel bad for them but then it quickly changed to um, and I give credit to Rick Killer Kowalski Um, I I remember having a conversation with him and Dave Matzos um, Drew Bannister and and all of us that were you know older guys on that team And, and I remember thinking like conceive we could conceivably come back um with a team we have returning we could make another run and it was um to some it might seem not real or not 
anything that you could achieve. But at the time, we we did believe that uh, we still had a good core, um, and we had potentially the goaltending with with Hodson um, coming back. So um, at the obviously at the time there was disappointment, but it quickly, like I said, it quickly shifted to um, some optimism and you know. Teddy Nolan coming in and Sherry Basson and Danny Flynn, uh, they're relaying the message as well. You know, you know, boys, this, this isn't over. We've, we've got some unfinished business to do. And uh, we certainly, uh, we certainly did that the next year. So what's that year like then? If you have it in, in your mind that, Hey, we could, maybe even we should be back. I, I mean, it almost would, again, I'm just saying this as an outsider, but it would almost make the, regular season seem like more of a grind because you just want to get to the good stuff at the other end of it yeah exactly you know what it was almost we had the mentality of we we obviously thought we could win every game that we you know if we showed up and we played our game we had a chance of winning every single game now did we do that no we did go through our ups and downs but we knew we had that core and our i talked about leadership earlier Killer Kowalski um, was the best captain that I've ever had. He he just knew how to motivate. Um, he knew when to take guys aside. Um, he led by example. And he went through. He went through that first year where they didn't win a lot of games. And then we go to Quebec. And then we go to Seattle. So these rookies that are coming in are, are looking around the room and looking at all of us. And we've been to two Memorial Cups. And they're thinking, okay, we better do what they say because obviously they know what they're saying. <laughs> so it was uh, it, it was easy that way in order to get guys to buy in and, and no egos. We I look back at that team and we were so close, uh, close knit that there was no egos, there was no first rounders to the NHL, you know, making big bucks. Um, we were all really striving to get to get that goal. And that was the Memorial cup. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, we won is because we were so close and we went through so much the year before in Seattle and the disappointment. And it was always in the back of our minds um, to get back to that place. And, and like I said, we, we certainly did it against Peterborough. Well, and that's what I was just going to talk about. Cause we were talking about the Pete's earlier. They factored into that 93 run for you guys in a in a big way you sweep them in round ones for the right to host then they come back and beat you in the ohl final and in the memorial cup you get the better of them but that pete's team that year was no slouch at all i think they were the highest scoring team in the league yeah they you know what they had a really good team we were pretty evenly matched um as far as speed and goal scoring um and defense where we I think took the upper hand was in our goal, the goaltending. And I think they had Chad Lang. And I think if, if you were talking to Chad Lang, he, I don't know, he might not say it, but I think if you talk to everyone that was involved in that team, they probably thought Kevin Hodson was superior at the time to Chad Lang. And that's no, you know, I hate to say that, but I, I just, I find that's my opinion. And I think that was one of the, the areas that we, actually outmatched them was in in goal but other than that um two really good coaches um going at it uh dick todd and teddy nolan so um it was a matter of executing and like you say the super series was unbelievable 
uh, to host and then they win the league and then obviously we had their number but they you look at their lineup they had Mike Harding Jason Daw Dave Roach um, was their top line and that that was a tough tough line to play against um, Bannister and I seem to to get that match up all the time so um, they were tough to play against then you you got Dale McTavish on the second line uh, Ryan Black and uh, who else was it they had like like I say Jordy Kinnear was on the back end obviously Pronger and Tully so it was two really really balanced teams going at it but uh, I would give the Greyhounds a little edge in in the goaltending department so from the the 14.6 seconds of disappointment the year prior what do you remember as the clock ticks down in your barn in your city as you're about to clinch and win the Memorial Cup? Oh, man. I, well, I remember being out there the last, uh, it seemed like two minutes, but I wanted to go off, but I didn't want to go off because I wanted to be on the ice uh, with obviously Bannister and Rick Kowalski was out there and Teddy had strategically kind of tried to put out guys that had been, you know, been through it all. So um, I remember Chris Pronger was out there. Um, I remember just skating around and just seeing a sea of red in the, in the crowd and everyone going nuts. You couldn't, you couldn't really hear anything. It was just one loud sound of just cheering and people going crazy, but, uh, it was just chaos, uh, when that final buzzer, uh, went off, obviously we're skating around and you're jumping on Hodson and, you know, guys are trying to get to their families. And uh, it was just, a, it was a special moment for sure. Not only for the players, but the, the families that had been there the three years. I, I don't think they get enough credit as well. You know, they went through it all. They went through, you know, Quebec where we didn't win a game and the disappointment. They went through the Seattle with 14.6 seconds. And I'm sure they came up to Sault Ste. Marie thinking, wow, um, I really hope they win this one. But uh I remember driving to the rink before the, the game against the Pete's and, and just thinking there, there was just a, <clears throat> I just felt really calm and confident. I just thought to myself, there's no way we're losing this. Like uh, no way the hockey gods can be this cruel. <laughs> <laughs> and there we, we had a solid game and uh, sure enough, uh, the hockey gods were smiling down on Sault Ste. Marie. I know, Mark, that it takes an awful lot, the 20 guys on the ice and everybody else involved in the organization. But I, I can't help but wonder if the Hounds have the run that they have in the three years that you're there without Ted Nolan as the head coach. No, I, you know what, the, obviously the talent and skill is there. It's still, you still need to be motivated at times throughout the year and you still need to be held accountable and you still need to have a room that um, gets along. And I think Teddy had a really strong hold on the room. He, he was, that's, that was his strong suit. He, he really knew how to motivate. Um, he really knew how to get the best out of every single person. And Danny Flynn doesn't get enough credit. Danny Flynn, to me, uh, is probably the, the smartest hockey mind that I've ever come across. He was, before his time, he was doing things way before anyone else 
um, in the OHL. And without him, honestly, without Danny Flynn, we do not win the Memorial Cup. We we were so well prepared against teams in the West, teams in Quebec. Like it, he didn't have a chance to scout these teams. He obviously broke down video and took the time to to know their tendencies and their strengths and their weaknesses. And to be honest, I, I don't think we win without uh, the great hockey mind of Danny Flynn and the motivation, obviously, of of Ted Nolan, who is uh, both of them are just phenomenal people. That's funny. I was going to say Danny Flynn's no slouch either. And you, what, yeah. what high praise you, you talk about him doing things that nobody else was doing at the time. Is it the use of video, the pre-scouting those things that he was doing? Yeah, it was the pre-scout. I remember we'd sit down every, uh, if we had a pre-game skate, we'd have a meeting, quick meeting after, and we'd, we'd all get, uh, you know, a stapled little booklet It'd have the other teams line up. Um, it'd have all of their tendencies, their power play, their penalty kill, what they do, what we need to do. How do we counter that? Um, it was honestly looking back, it was, I don't know how many hours. I don't think he got much sleep because the preparation uh, that went into this was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it, it just, he did it. He's still doing it. He's scouting for Columbus. He just loves the game of hockey. Uh, and he, what a great, great, uh, great guy and great hockey player, uh, Danny Flynn. And I'll tell you right now, a guy that can tell stories is Danny Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Making a note. We'll, we'll yeah. <laughs> uh, reach out to Danny at some point here for sure. You know, another guy that clearly loves the game and has been one of my favorite, favorite, pardon me, characters around the game for as long as I've been involved is of course the the GM at the time up there in the Sioux and Sherry Basson. How involved was he, if at all? Uh, he was involved. He would, uh, you know, he he likes he likes to hear himself talk. So <laughs> he would he would uh, he would waddle into the room. You know, Sherry's hips are pretty much gone. So he, uh, yeah, he'd come into the room and you know, with his voice, and he'd get the boys going and. Uh, it was it was comical always to see Bass, whether it be on the road or here in Sault Ste. Marie. He actually got up to the Sioux quite a bit, um, so it was always nice to see him. But yeah, he he liked to be involved. Um, but it was it was an ongoing joke, you know. When, when he left the room, there was a couple Snickers, obviously, and guys would be telling stories. So it was uh, he was a big part of it. He uh, he again, he's a great hockey mind, and he really knew. He really knew his players that uh, he brought in. And obviously with Chad Penny and Wade Gibson coming in at the, the trade deadline, um, they were huge factors in us uh, winning the Memorial Cup. So without Sherry Basson, obviously that doesn't go down. So uh, he certainly knows his hockey and uh, we all loved Bass for sure. Yeah, he's hard not to like, and that waddle yeah. is the perfect way to put it, given the hip <laughs> issues. And I remember it from his time in Erie, uh, yeah. with the otters and he'd come to the rink with his dog and they'd just be walking around oh, underneath yeah. the, you know before the game as we're all getting ready there they were bass had to have his hellos <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> where do you keep all the championship rings uh i have my rings in a box just i believe in my my bedroom closet but uh i don't get them out very often every once in a while somebody will want to see them but uh i don't wear them or um have them out too much but uh there's certainly something that 
uh, I'm very proud of, and uh, it's certainly a big part of me. Something that I'm always curious about, and we alluded to it with, you know, kid from Thorold, up to a point on the map that you had to unfold the entire map to see. And, and I recognize this every time we do any trip north from Kitchener, like North Bay, Sudbury, I mentioned a few weeks ago. Those are long trips for us. Yeah. Every trip's a long trip for a Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. What is that travel like on a young hockey player? Well, I think it depends on how you look at it. I think it really helped us become a team. Uh, we we didn't know any other. Like This is something that... Um, we we come to be accustomed to and really embraced it we used to love going out on the road and you know head down to kitchener and london and uh windsor for the swing and uh it was just a time to be on the road and uh you know you know you always hear the term a uh, bunch of brothers together and and that's what it really was we became so close because of a lot of those long bus rides and uh you know Win or lose, you get to do a lot of thinking at three o'clock in the morning, staring out uh, at a, a, an I-75, uh, you know, whether you're minus four in that game or plus four, it didn't matter. You you still analyze the game and you thought, thought of what maybe you could have done differently or um, things that you could have changed. But I, I think those long bus rides uh, really um, made us become a, a really close-knit team. Speaking of old buildings with character, how about that old barn in Windsor? Oh, yeah. We used to, uh, well, I remember pregame skates. You used to shoot pucks at the rats that used to, <laughs> used to run, <laughs> run in the stands. Yeah, true story. We uh, actually, one year, there was a squirrel that fell on the ice. I don't know if it was during a pregame skate or an actual game, but uh, yeah, there was a squirrel that was trying to get across and, uh, yeah, fell on the <laughs> now that was uh that was a tough barn to play in. Um the fans were right on top of you. They always had a, a pretty tough team and they always had some skill. They obviously with Todd Warner and uh Stillman there before he got traded and uh Billy Bowler. Um they always had, you know, two or three guys that could really steal a game from you if you weren't uh watching them closely. So uh we had some battles for sure down there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you recall, Mark, as the toughest place to play on the road? Uh, the toughest place to play, uh, I would say, I remember, well, my first year, London, the London Gardens was not a pleasant place to play. I always, I always found it really dark. Um, and they had, obviously, <clears throat> Barry Potomsky, Louis DeBrusque, <laughs> oh, yeah. they, had some, they had some big boys. So it was, uh, that was a little intimidating to go into London. But uh, like we said earlier, like we always, I had, you know, I had Bob Bugner as a defense partner. So I, I didn't have to worry about fighting. It was, you know, Boogie was there to step in or if anything happened, uh, we always had a tough guy. And obviously my second year was Chris Simon and not too many too many guys would uh, want to dance with Cy, but uh, one of the rinks that I never, I didn't really enjoy playing in was Owen Sound. Um, again, just because the lighting, I'm a, I'm a, I used to have like to have a bright, bright arena, but uh, Owen Sound was always dark and dingy. But they never really had too many guys that you had to worry about as far as toughness. But uh, they had some gamers, but 
uh, no real heavyweights. So, um, yeah, Teddy did a really good job of always finding somebody in Canada that was willing to fight for the, the 19 other guys. How did you enjoy the experience overseas? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was, uh, you know what it was? It was basically junior hockey, but fast forward five years, there, like there was a lot of guys, you know, Shane McCosh, uh, Dale Junkin, Kale Short, myself. Uh, we all played in Sheffield my first year. Um, so we had a lot of fun, a lot of great stories, obviously. Dale Craigwell ended up coming over. Uh, Denny VL came over in Sheffield to, and then after my first year in Sheffield, I moved to uh, Bracknell Bees, which was in southern England. And that was I was there for three years and I enjoyed my time there. And that's when Darren Hurley and myself and Brad Peddle, uh, Blair Scott at that time at year two, I believe he came in. So there was a lot of familiar names. And like I say, it was basically the OHL, but we were older and drinking more beer and getting paid. <laughs> well, and it's not a bad part of the world to spend your time in outside of the rink. Yeah. You know what? We got to see a lot, uh, a lot of different places over there, uh, obviously Wales and uh, Scotland and uh, Belfast had a team and uh, yeah. So it was great that way. Uh, my wife, Stacy obviously was over there. Actually my oldest boy Tanner uh, was born over there. Uh, my second year so uh, I've always told him he's 22 I said we'll get there but we'll get back there one day <laughs> <laughs> you still got time Mark you still got time yeah, we got lots of time but no I, I loved it I obviously uh, there's pros and cons right I, I love the hockey I love the guys uh, uh, I love the travel but uh, obviously the weather um, kind of gets to you after a while but uh no it was uh, a great experience and uh like i said we look back on those times and we have a lot of laughs so um it couldn't have been that bad was there ever any choice for tanner and jack that they'd end up putting on a pair of skates <laughs> you know what <laughs> i obviously as a father playing the game obviously you want um your kids to be happy and and you deep down you'd like them to play hockey but i had no no problems. They, they both, obviously I, I build the rink in the backyard and uh, they both had a blast with that. So uh, right from the get go, they, they love skating and they loved, uh, they loved playing the game. So uh, it was a, a win-win for me. A backyard rink in Sault Ste. Marie has got to be like October to May or something, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I spent a lot of nights out there. <laughs> staring staring at the moon uh with the hose or barrels going so it was uh obviously well worth it they uh like i say they loved it and it was a uh, always a family affair back there so it uh, we had a lot of good games out there our my good friends growing up their dad took care of a rink for us too he would do shift work so when he would get home at 11 he'd be out flooding until two in the morning i'm gonna be honest and and they i think my buddies would admit this too he, he didn't care so much for, you know, how even everything was. He was just getting the water out there to make ice. How how fussy were you about the way the, the backyard rink was yeah, constructed? Yeah, you know I'm probably not as fussy as some of the fathers nowadays that are buying tarps. And I, I was pretty basic. I put up uh, uh, 16 feet of boards at each end. I didn't have any sideboards. I just do the, the snow banks. And then I've got a pretty level backyard, so it wasn't that difficult. I had 
basically one low spot. But uh, once I got the garbage cans full and dumped them, it was pretty easy to see where obviously the water needed to go. But uh, um, yeah, so a lot of nights out there. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a tree in the one corner and it became like an extra defense. Oh, you yeah. could use it to, you know, get around guys. If you can make the corner, it was kind yeah. of funny. <laughs> How do you like doing uh, the broadcasting side of things? I like it. You know, it's uh, Gino and I get along great. Uh, and Jim Fitzpatrick and um, the other, uh, the crew that I work with are super people. So I like it. It gets me out of the house. Uh, obviously with Jack playing, um, I'm missing a little bit. I usually get home and I'll watch his game. Uh, I'll replay his game, but uh, I'm getting a lot of, you know, updates from my son Tanner or my wife Stacy during the games. But uh, so in a sense, that way it's, um, you know, a bit of a challenge. But no, overall, I've I've enjoyed doing it. So it's uh, it's just a way for me to stay involved. You had to go and say nice things about Gino. I was going to say, except for working with Cavallo. Come on. Come on, Mark. He's awesome. <laughs> he is. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. We uh, um, we we go on a golf tournament every summer. Uh, he invites me into a golf tournament. So we have some laughs on the golf course in the summertime. But uh, we have a lot of laughs off air. I wish, I honestly wish people could hear what we what we say off the air. <laughs> as opposed to on the air uh it'd be a little more entertaining i suppose i we yeah it's um it's a fun league to still be around and i mean it, it sounds like still having it as part of your life like the game in some capacity uh remains an important part yeah you know what it's a big part of our life we uh we look forward to jack playing you know um when he's in ottawa and we can't get there obviously it's a, it's a night for us to just you know, uh, sit back and watch on the TV and uh, cheer on the 67s. But uh, it's been a big part of the Mateers uh, for a long, long time. And I, I hope, I really do hope it continues to be that way. Because uh, like I say, it's been, without hockey, I, I really, I don't know where I would be or what I would have because hockey has given me everything. You know, that just made me think, Jack in Ottawa, you and the family in Sault Ste. Marie. It's not altogether different than Thorold to Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Could you have picked a further place to go? Maybe win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's uh, it's just the way it worked out. You know what? It worked out. A lot of people are, you know, there's been a lot of talk in Sault Ste. Marie. Why, you know, why, why they pass on Jack? Why didn't they draft him? And I, I have, it wasn't my decision. I, I honestly, I'm super happy. I didn't deep down. I didn't really want him to go to the Greyhounds because I wanted him to move away and get the overall experience of junior hockey and Ottawa 67's organization is run like a pro team. Um, he's got uh, great off ice conditioning with uh, Sean Young, um, his schooling with the Blythe Academy. Now he's taking courses at university uh, has been fantastic. Um, and the coaching that he's had, uh, Andre Chernier, his, his first uh, year, Bear was awesome with him, uh, very patient. Uh, James Boyd's been great with him as well. So, um, and then now with Dave Cameron the last two years, uh, there's certainly no complaints from us. And uh, it's a pleasure when we actually get down to Ottawa because uh, I, have, I have an older brother and his family that live there. 
Um, Jack lives with a billet family, but uh, so it's nice to see my older brother when we get there and we get to see a couple games. So um, it's been a big part of the Matier family for sure. I got to say, this has been one of the, the smoothest conversations I think we've ever had on this podcast. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed all of it and all of the stories. Mark, thanks so much for making time to be a part of it. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Mike. And uh, I hope to see you up in the Sioux here soon, eh? We'll be there uh, beginning of January. I can't wait. Oh, it's a great time of year up here in January. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a dry cold. It's a different cold up here. Exactly. So, it'll look... still be minus 30. <laughs> I remember that's, you know, the one thing when we were talking before about how much we both enjoy it, certainly in the nicer, the warmer weather seasons, I'm so grateful. And I have been on a number of occasions for that hotel being so close oh, yeah. to the rink because, yeah. and, and the, the station mall in between, because it can give you a break when it's really cold. And there have been days where I'm like, I'm not staying outside the whole walk over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate this. Honestly, uh, anytime um like i said uh maybe reach out to danny flynn because he he would uh he'd blow your mind with some of his stories for sure consider it done and thanks again for this it's been a lot of fun all right mike you take care i'm matt kundle host of the sound off podcast the show about podcast and broadcast since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.